Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. So why watch that TV talk? Happy President's Day week, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) It is that time of year (laughs) where we celebrate those commander in chiefs. (laughs) Well, we're not doing that for this show, so you can just sit down. No, on the real, on the real. Happy President's Day to all y'all president celebrators. We instead are going to talk about television because that's what we do around here at Why Watch That. We deflect what's going on in the real world or what's not going on in the real world. And we talk about TV and film. So yes. That's just what we do. You notice the critic is very quiet and had no comment. Absolutely. <laughs> No, 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 no hate mail. Um, let's talk about TV because we've got some series premieres, some new stuff that's out there from some <clears throat> some distribution uh, entities that we have not really talked a lot about. Yeah. Some of them we have. Mm-hmm. But let's start with TBS's limited uh, series called Miracle Workers. Now, I don't know anything about this, hmm. in fact, which is kind of odd because... I'm always seeing stuff around here and hearing things, but I don't know much at all about Miracle Workers. It's just, it's in its first season. It's limited. You got about seven episodes. What is this about? Is this something we should be checking out? Do tell. Well, take the title literally, okay? So we have God, played by Steve Buscemi. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he's... (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, he seems despondent. It's Steve Buscemi, okay? Uh, God's been watching his TVs, multiple, in the hopes of finding some good news, but he's had no luck. And then he spots something promising, but it doesn't pan out. Oh, boy. Now, all of this bad news has depressed God for quite some time, and that's why so many prayers have gone unanswered for so long. Because the prayers that require uh, the seemingly impossible to happen, uh, they're in trouble because they're God's domain. And he's just not that into it. However, the prayers for minor miracles are just fine because they're handled by angels, the miracle workers. But just who are these miracle worker angels? Uh, Who are these people or angels? Well, before we get to that, picture this. Heaven's just like a corporation. It has offices and factory space that's organized just like any other corporation would be on Earth. I hope not. Now, <laughs> now what they do, though, Ref, is a bit different because they're tasked with angel-type stuff, right? Uh, managing animal populations, protecting people from volcanic eruptions, and the like. But the angels and God look and act just like you and me. However, There's one angel who thinks that she can really make a difference. Her name is Eliza, and she's just been assigned to the Department of Answered Prayers. 
which is so exciting for her. But when she arrives there, what she discovers is surprising. The department's dingy, and there's only one other employee, played by Daniel Radcliffe, whose name is Craig. Oh. Craig? Craig. <laughs> and, and while Eliza has ambitions for what the department can do, Craig wants to keep things simple, believable, and easy. And toward the middle of the pilot episode, you'll find out why. Regardless, both Eliza's and Craig's skills will be put to the test after God decides to get rid of Earth in response to a conversation he has with Eliza. Now, of course, this horrifies Eliza, and Craig's not too happy either. So they agree to enter into a bet with God to save Earth. But the bet requires them to successfully answer an impossible prayer. And while this prayer might seem easy, it's really a doozy. And now for the review. Is it world peace? No, it's not. <laughs> it is the complete antithesis of what you would think. Oh, okay. <laughs> fun, fun. Now look, everybody, this is a cute show. It's cute, okay? It might make you chuckle here and there. And it, it seems like something that would pair just fine with NBC's The Good Place. So if you like The Good Place, there's no harm in checking this out to see whether it appeals to you. However, based on this show's pilot, you'll probably prefer The Good Place. Uh, for me, these kinds of shows can never quite live up to the potential of their premises because there's so much that could be done with these kind of ideas. However, you can watch Miracle Workers without having to invest too much into it, and each episode's done in about 30 minutes. Ooh, nice, nice, because I was about to ask. Mm -hmm. Okay, QBS. Moving on to, uh, we've only reviewed a handful of shows on YouTube. Mm. Um, I can't remember the Karate Kid sequel series. <laughs> Cobra Kai, yeah. Cobra Kai. <laughs> Maybe something here and there. But Weird City is now on YouTube. And the first two episodes are free. Absolutely free. It's season one. Um, this is interesting because Jordan Peele, and his writer, for, um, who was on Key and Peele, both came up with this concept. Jordan Peele is a co-executive producer, from my understanding. It is sci-fi with humor, I hear. Uh, but the question is, are we laughing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in the not-so-distant future, there's a city called Weird. Okay. And in this city, there are two halves split by a barrier called the line. Uh, the haves live above the line, while the have-nots live below the line. Now, above the line looks mildly futuristic, and they have all the latest technology. But for the citizens below the line, they pretty much have what we have today. But at least their food is better down there. Uh-huh. And so, in Weird City, the clash of these two halves serves merely as a distant backdrop for an exploration of different kinds of relationships, which mirror the same kind of relationships that we navigate today, but, of course, in weird ways. Now, look, I watched those first two episodes for free, and that's why I watched them. And in the first episode, uh, they introduced the world of the show, and the plot revolves around matchmaking. Mm -hmm. But you'll never guess what that leads to, okay? Mm. Now, in this episode, I thought there were some interesting ideas, and I was mildly amused by some of it, but ultimately it didn't quite gel. Even still, while parts of that episode were weird, none of it, none of it 
could touch the weirdness of the second episode. <laughs> uh, and this focuses on the trials and tribulations of a weirdo who's played by Michael Sarah, of course. Oh boy, here we go. Now, he's a guy who's looking for a place where he belongs. So after he gets kicked out of an addiction support group that he attended just to claim to have friends, that's why he was there, he finds refuge at a gym that's like a cult. And things get twisted. Okay. He meets Rosario Dawson there and so on and so forth. But unlike the first episode, there was nothing to ground the second episode amid all the weirdness and stupidity. It wasn't as relatable and it just seemed like uh, the fun they were having while making it made them forget about their audience, which leads me to this. If you like Key and Peele, then maybe check this out because it was, like you said, created by Jordan Peele and Charlie Sanders who wrote for that show. Mm-hmm. Now, is it the same as Key and Peele? No, uh, but you could give it a peek just to see whether it clicks for you. Otherwise, all I can say is that the first two episodes didn't hook me, and I'm not quite sure of what they hope to accomplish with this show based on them. Um, it's certainly not worth, worth paying for. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there you've heard it. You know what to do with that. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to Proven Innocent. This is Fox's new show. The first two episodes are available right now for streaming. It's season one. I don't know much about Proven Innocent, uh, so you prove me to be innocent about this show. <laughs> yeah. So, Ref, there's, uh, there's Madeline Scott. She's an attorney with a mission. I love Madeline. So she's made it her life's goal to help wrongfully convicted felons find freedom, no matter the cost. I mean, just take a look at what she does at the very beginning of the show's pilot. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Now, why is she on this mission? Well, because she was once wrongfully incarcerated herself. Oh. Yeah. Okay. She and her brother spent 10 years in prison for a murder they didn't commit. (laughs) Okay. And now they're famous as a result for better and for worse. But the prosecutor who put them there, whose name is Gore Bellows and who's played by Kelsey Grammer, (laughs) he still believes that Madeline and her brother are guilty and he's not the only one. Plus, he has ambitions of his own. He's running to become attorney general of the great state of Illinois, which means that he must have his sights on the governorship and on Madeline. Now, this ain't going down without Madeline fighting him every step of the way. And she's not alone because she has her law firm partner, Easy, who helped ensure the release of her and her brother by her side, along with others. And so who's going to win in the end? Because Madeline might be undone by her ruthless tactics and Gore might find a way to get her back behind bars. Even still, the biggest challenge for Madeline might be finding the real killer who committed the crime for which she was wrongfully convicted, even as she fights to prove the innocence of her clients and while Gore and others breathe down her neck. And here's what I have to say about all of this. Okay, please. As I started watching Proven Innocent, you know what I thought? I thought, hmm, this show's writers must have just graduated from a course on how to write TV procedurals. Oi, oi, oi. You know, this must have been their, been, been their final project. Yeah. Oi, oi, oi. Now look, you get the standard setup with a twist, of course. You always have to have a twist. 
along the standard generic lines. The music tells you when something important is brewing. The lead character has an ax to grind and will stop at nothing to succeed. And of course, there are people surrounding her who warn her when she's taking things too far. Now, does she listen? No, because she's been wrong and so have others. See what I mean? See? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so proven innocent is for people who just can't get enough of procedurals in whatever variety they take. And people like that exist. No shade. So the only reason to watch this is if you want to see this kind of procedural, how it will look from the Fox network. This is their first time really going in there. And if you don't mind watching actors go through the motions in a professional manner, they say their lines when they're supposed to, stand where they're supposed to, exchange knowing looks, and hopefully, hopefully get paid enough money to make it all worth it. Oh, ouch. Dang. That's hot. That's tough, 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 tough. Now, we're going to just move on from that and go to Doom Control. Now, this, you guys, is from DC Universe. We know that DC World is competing. <laughs> yeah. All the um, Marvel uh, shows that are have launched, and we know that Disney, later on this year, very soon, will be launching their SVOD streaming video on demand channel. Uh, Doom Control is there for you to consume. DC Universe, 15 total. Yeah. Now, the question is, does it translate? Mm. Yeah, and you, you got to pay for this. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Except for the first episode. Oh, thank you for that. I think for... No, you got to pay for it. Okay, I'll get. I'll come back to that, though. So, it's 1948 in Paraguay, and a minor bad guy, who eventually becomes the super villainous, uh, villainous Mr. Nobody. Oui. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. He's landed on the doorstep of an undercover Nazi who has the ability to give normal people superpowers. Oh, <laughs> also, this Mr. Nobody is the narrator of the show. And let's just say that he has a sarcastic sense of humor. From the beginning, he even pokes fun at the show itself by echoing what you're probably already thinking. I mean, do we really need another superhero comic book TV show? Okay. He also pokes fun at critics, which is a nice touch. Thank you very much. Very nice. Now, after the events in 1948, we're taken to Florida in 1988. And we're introduced to NASCAR driver Cliff Steele, who's played by Brendan Fraser. Hmm. Now, unfortunately for Cliff, he and his wife don't quite get along, which leads to a horrifying accident. But Cliff, or a part of Cliff, survives. And in 1995, is transformed into Robot Man by Dr. Niles Calder, who's otherwise known as the Chief, and is played by Timothy Dalton, who was James Bond for a time, remember? <laughs> okay. Now, the Chief has a genius-level intellect and is wheelchair-bound. Sound somewhat familiar? Oh, my gosh. However, take note of this, in the comic book world, the Chief was introduced by DC a few months before Marvel introduced Professor X. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. That's why we pay you around here. (laughs) Okay, so moving on from that. Now look. Pay you in potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) So Cliff uh, has to come to terms with his new body, and while he does so, he lives with the Chief and other members of what will become the Doom Patrol, which leads to the present day. And here are the other members that of that fledgling team. Okay, there's Larry Trainer, who's known as Negative Man, a fellow whose body is wrapped in bandages like a mummy. 
as a result of piloting a plane into negative energy, which gave him his powers. Uh, and by the way, Matt Bomer plays trainer and supplies the voice for Negative Man. There's Who's also Matt Bomer? Oh, Matt I, we know. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. White yes. collar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. among other things. Uh, there's also Rita Farr, who's known as the Elastigirl, a former actress who can sort of do what you think she can do as a result of being exposed to some sort of terrible gas while filming a movie in 1955. Mm. And to round things out, there's Crazy Jane, a woman who has 64 different personalities with oh 64 different superpowers to match. Yeah. And she's played by Orange is the New Blacks and Jane the Virgin's Diane Guerrero. Plus, by the way, they might be joined by a certain familiar character at some point. Uh-huh. And so, here are the pertinent questions. Exactly how and why is the Doom Patrol created? And... Can they stop Mr. Nobody as he comes for the chief and plots to take over the world? Now, look at here. Unless you haven't taken advantage of DC Universe's uh, seven-day free trial, you got to pay $8 per month or $75 per year. Oh, my gosh. For a subscription to watch the show. Oh, So the question is, is Doom Patrol worth all of that? I mean, we already know, unless you're a DC super fan, that this platform's other offerings, including Titans, aren't really worth the cost. And just so you know, the Doom Patrol was introduced in an episode of Titans, okay, which precedes the events in this series. So here's what I'll say in response. I did not want to pay for this Mm. before I watched it. Mm. Now... As of right now, only one of the first season's 15 episodes has been released. But as I was watching it, some, though not all, of my annoyance with having to pay to see this show dissipated. Some of it did. And here's why. In the pilot, the shifts from the irreverent, especially via Mr. Nobody's voiceovers, to the serious worked rather well. Mm. The cast, especially Alan uh, Tudyk as Mr. Nobody, came to work. Their characters don't come across as lame as they sound, and the pacing doesn't lag too much. Plus, it looks the part. And so overall, it's like this. If you take the film version of Watchmen, cut out some of its weightiness and add in more doses of sarcastic humor, then add X-Men and a drop, an ever-so-tiny drop, that is, (laughs) of AMC's Legion, you'll have something like Doom Patrol. It's a mix that shouldn't really work, but somehow it does because it's ridiculous when it should be and not so ridiculous otherwise. Now, does this mean that I know for sure whether I spent my money for a good cause? No, I don't. I haven't seen enough episodes. However, based on the pilot, it might be worth it. So here's what you should do, listeners. If you don't already have a subscription to DC Universe, wait until they release at least eight episodes of Doom Patrol's 15 episode first season, as the ref said. Then get a free seven-day trial or pay for a month to check it out if you're interested. You can enjoy this and be strategic with your money at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Let it rain potatoes. Give this man (laughs) potatoes. (laughs) Let's round this out with the uh, Netflix's new... (laughs) I can't keep up. No one can keep up with what Netflix is doing. They are pumping out content like never before and it's no different with the umbrella academy which is a new tv series you can stream the whole thing on netflix 10 episodes in total question is can we find it on netflix? 
and do we want to find it? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're actually they actually have commercials for this one on what? TV. Mm-hmm. So hint, hint, maybe they want us to watch it, right? Well, before we get to that, let's talk about this plot. On October 1st, 1989, something weird happened. Picture this, everybody. A teenage girl and a teenage boy, they're sitting by a pool in the Soviet Union. They flirt with each other. Then the girl kisses the boy. Afterward, she dives into the pool only to come up pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She then gives birth moments later. Okay. And she wasn't alone. Around the world, 43 women went through the same kind of spontaneous pregnancy, giving birth at the same time. Now... Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, this piques the interest of Sir Reginald Hargreaves, a billionaire who wants to adopt as many of these 43 children as he can, and he ends up with seven of them, including number one, a.k.a. Luther, a.k.a. Space Boy, number two, oh, Lord, here we go. a.k.a. Diego, a.k.a. The Kraken, number three, a.k.a. Allison, a.k.a. The Rumor. Number four, a.k.a. Klaus, a.k.a. The Seance. Number five, who's an unnamed time traveler called The Boy. Number six, a.k.a. Ben, a.k.a. The Horror. And number seven, a.k.a. Vanya, a.k.a. The White Violin, which you might come to understand the name uh, if you watch enough of this uh, show's episodes. Now, Each of these children, except for one, so it seems, has special powers. Oh boy, here we go. And as kids, the six with powers formed the Umbrella Academy to fight bad guys under Sir Reginald's supervision. But just who is Sir Reginald exactly? In addition, Sir Reginald's not alone in caring for these kids because there's Grace Hargreaves, who serves as the kid's adoptive mom. But exactly what kind of mom is she? Plus, there's a talking chimp called Pogo. Oh, my gosh. Who's Sir Reginald's trusted assistant. I mean, just what in the world is going on? I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Now, regardless, after we shuttle forward in time, the now-grown kids lead vastly different lives, some seemingly for the good, others definitely for the not-so-good. They're a mess. However, except for the one who's been missing for 16 years and the one who supposedly met a tragic end, they're thrust back together again after the death of Sir Reginald. And the question is, what's going to happen when they realize that dad's death might not be as straightforward as it seems? In addition, how will they get to the bottom of what's going on and survive in the face of so many threats that are coming their way, one of whom is in the form of Mary J. Blige? What? Yeah, while another is wholly unexpected. And on top of all of that, what's going... What's happening? (laughs) So on top of all of that, what's going to happen when they discover that they have just eight days to save the world? Plus, of course, I'm leaving a whole bunch of stuff out. I hope you are. Now here we go, Ref, okay? The thing about the Umbrella Academy, which is based on the Dark Horse Comics uh, book series of the same name, is that it looks the part and it has the right ingredients and action sequences. It also has some interesting musical choices every now and then. However, it's not quite right tonally. The shifts from mood to mood and moment to moment feel a bit forced and they don't quite land. Also, there are times when you're wondering why you're seeing what you're seeing. 
The story sputters its way forward instead of going from important moment to important moment. And actually, they fall into a lot of traps that Doom Patrol's pilot, for the most part, avoids. Now, if you're a huge fan of action and bursts of weirdness, uh, and you can withstand numerous unexpected detours and lulls, then you might want to check this out. Otherwise, hmm... Hmm. Hmm. Is my response as well. Now here we've said it. Happy President's Day! <laughs> if you want to celebrate by watching any of these shows, we encourage you to do so. If not, we'll understand why. <laughs> Off the cuff. Hey, listeners, it's that time again for an off the cuff. Uh oh. <laughs> I like off the cuffs because I I just like to relax and talk about <laughs> these things, and we get to talk about stuff that we don't normally talk about, like docs. That I know you you have a huge love for some docs out there. Yeah, it's just you know. We're we're each individuals. <laughs> can't watch everything. It's just you know, and obviously we can't uh, review everything. No. So like you're saying, off the cuff is great because we can just talk however we want about whatever we want. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about the consequences. <laughs> yeah, we kind of do, but that's okay. But this is this version of off the cuff. It's the critic catches up. Remember last time we had um, just. We went through some of your thing, some of the movies that you hadn't, well, not just, yeah, I think it was mainly movies, that you hadn't got, um, hadn't had a chance to see because either you're traveling, um, we went to the festival this year, or you just have other programming that you were getting through, and you're preparing to watch these Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like a second job. Oh Uh, my gosh. Please preparing to watch these Oscars, but this is going to be a little different off the cuff than last time, especially because we're not just, I don't, I don't want to just pick your brain about um, what, you know, has been nominated, but then there's some snubs or maybe not snubs, but just some buzz of other projects that didn't get the love. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on why. And, and I, there are a couple of shows on here that I, echo with you and say you know it should have gotten love or not that love but let's start with um you got to see the wife finally (laughs) now this has been reviewed i've already reviewed it um so if listeners are if you're looking for like the whole rundown from point a to point b you could go ahead and check that out but the critic got a chance to finally watch the wife (laughs) you know what i said about the wife I i didn't try to give it shade i was just saying that it's if, if, if like Hallmark or Lifetime could have the budget to have excellent actors who are completely committed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, would be, it would be that, um, but, uh, you know. Yeah, and everybody remember, this is a woman who, um, her husband is about to win the Nobel, Mel- Nobel Prize for literature. Um, but exactly what was her role in all of that? <sighs> okay, they got a son and a daughter, but a son, <laughs> I'll just say it that way, they got a son. <laughs> and so we see them go through the process of becoming 
a Nobel laureate, and some things are unearthed. Now, Glenn Close is nominated for this, uh, for Best Actress. She got the Golden Globe. She got the Golden Globe for um, the drama category for Best Actress. Yes, and then she, I thought she picked up something else too along the way, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's definitely been acknowledged throughout the award season. Absolutely. And I think her nomination, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, would I give her the award? No, I have to say I will not. No, no. Ooh, off the cuff. Uh, excuse me, Olivia Coleman, who won the Golden Globe for um, actress in a musical or comedy and won the BAFTA. Hello. Mm. Okay. And and I'm sorry. I, I'm, I mean, it is clear to me based on. I haven't seen Melissa McCarthy yet, and can you ever forgive me? I will before the Oscars. Right now, it's Olivia Coleman, clearly. And I was just thinking about Glenn Close, who has such an interesting body of work. Yes. And is such a committed actor and all of that. But I have to be honest, Ref, I can't think of a performance where I go, I was amazed by her. I'm always appreciative of her craft, but I'm never transported quite. I don't know what it is. Uh, fatal attraction, I will yeah. say. <laughs> but see, even that to me is the role. I'm just thinking, because this is a wonderful actress. That's not, I mean, I'm not shading her at all. It's just, I don't know if, if you take that role out, which is just a crazy role. And I know about playing crazy. Like that's something else. That's what you live every day. Like I'm watching it going, this is good work. Or was I blown away by, mm, no. And as the movie overall, I don't need to rehash what you said. Well, but Jonathan well, Price. Jo- Jonathan Price is always. <laughs> I always feel a little out of control when I watch Jonathan Price. <laughs> not because he's a bad actor. Not that's not what I mean. It's just like I don't. I know something is written on the page. Yeah. But I don't know if he's going rogue. Like <laughs> that way with Jonathan Price. I'm just like, what's <laughs> happening? I don't know what. Where are we going? <laughs> and they're a good match. Like the two of them. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They you. You are not comfortable. Him. I wish they kept everything modern mm-hmm. um, because in the story of the wife they flash back and forth and you just yeah, and her real daughter plays her younger self the younger character yes that's yeah. what I thought mm-hmm. so I, listen the bottom line is for me Glenn Close is clearly um, a woman who has had a, the longevity yeah that, She's up there with Meryl Streep as far as like eight, like the the, the maturity, mm-hmm. and still working. Yes, <laughs> like, and and like working. Yes, yeah, huh. really good work, really good work. Now you also got a chance to see um, a couple documentaries that are nominated as well. Uh, RBG, which got a lot of love and a lot of buzz arguably took the spot of another documentary that people wanted on there, but we'll get to that later. You got to see this on Hulu right now, and this is one of our Supreme Court justices who everybody, whenever she's ill, everybody just prays. (laughs) The entire world goes into silence Mm -hmm. and prayer that she will continue to thrive through through this uh, um, term, we'll say. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, do tell us about uh, this is the documentary, and there's also a movie out there of yeah. her as well, but this is a doc. Yeah, and it was interesting because, uh, you know, I saw and reviewed on the basis of sex, uh, which is about a particular moment in her life or moments in her life. 
Uh, and now we have Ruth Bader Ginsburg as the doc, RBG, as you said. Um, and I, let me just say it this way, everybody, this woman works out. <laughs> At the age of 80, whatever. So if you're concerned that, it, just watch this and you might go, oh, like I mean working out. <laughs> as a trainer, works out for an hour. We see her in the gym, it's great. But oh my gosh, SNL did some great, <laughs> of course it was uh, Katie McKinnon. Yes. So yeah. And and they, in the in the documentary, she'd never seen it, so they show her. Oh! <laughs> yeah. And she's just laughing and laughing and laughing. And, and then they ask her, you know, how accurate is it? And she's like, well, <laughs> uh, essentially the, the, the collar is what I can relate to on her robe, but that's about it. And they even take you through how all her different collars, how she and Sandra Day O'Connor came up with that to, oh. you know, distinguish themselves as women who in their own right belong on the court. Like, so it's, you get a lot of glimpses like that. And what I think for this doc, when it works best is when it is focused on her, not on what other people are saying. Okay. When it's her and her own words from the past and in the present, I was really interested in that. It's just great to be able to pick her mind. Um, outside of that, it's good. It's just not quite as compelling, especially, I'm sorry, when they go to the new generation. I don't want to hear you. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I was watching it go and I know you were inspired. I already know, like, why is this in the documentary as much as it is? So I think balance wise, I would have changed things a bit, but overall, if you're interested, definitely watch this. Um, you will get a lot out of it and you might even feel a little better by the end. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's, it's a good, speaking of on the basis of sex, is it a good yeah. companion piece or? It is, it is. Uh, it clarifies some of those moments. You, The whole relationship between uh, sh uh, her and her husband oh, okay. fleshed out in this. You get to see him, his whole story's told. And this is, this is a man in his own right who had a career. Oh, okay. And he knew that what she was doing was even more important. So that's fleshed out even more. So it is a nice companion to On the Basis of Sex, yeah. Okay, good, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. You saw another documentary um, I heard on, uh, it's called, I, now, I don't know about this. It's called Hail Country This Morning, This Evening. Mm -hmm. And this is, you could you watch this via PBS. It, it's available um, if you have, if you if you're a donor to PBS or if you have that subscription. Or free, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's free right now. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, then everybody can watch it if you're interested in that. Now, tell me about this. I don't know what this is about. Yeah. Uh, and just to clarify that, everyone, if you go into the PBS app, you have to go into the Independent Lens section. It's an episode of that. So okay. I, we don't know how long it's going to be free. Probably through award season, and then shortly thereafter, it'll be sketchy from there. Yes, yeah, so just be warned that way. Now, Hale County, this is Hale County in Alabama. And uh, the, the director here just put his camera on the people of Hale County. And what he does, because essentially it's uh, a formless kind of documentary almost, but to bring some structure to it, he will insert questions on the screen at certain moments. Um, for instance, how do you not frame people? Okay. So it, it's open-ended so that you can 
have that kind of um, relationship with the movie. And and this is, uh, uh, Hale County, by the way, is a part of the Black Belt in the South. Oh, okay. So the, it's- The bi- Black Belt or Bible Belt? Black. Okay. So, so yeah, so this is where, you know, a lot of, of Black people live in the South. Um, and this is all focused on Black people. That's what we see. Okay. So if you're thinking of those questions, it's what he's really doing is going from how Black people have been portrayed in the media, now look at them this way. And let's see what you're thinking now. Why were, d- does this change your beliefs? Have you seen them as people or just as objects in the past? He even throws in, in one of the sections, some blackface. It's like, oh gosh. But essentially what you're doing is watching people live and he will let the camera linger. Like one, one shot is like five minutes of a toddler running back and forth, running. Okay. Now, this movie is maybe just a little over an hour in total. It's not that long, but it, it does. He uses some uh, time-lapse photography, all other kinds of things, just to get you into a, a, just a, a thought space, I would say. So that's the importance of it. That's why it was nominated. Now, is this something after it you're going to go, oh, my goodness, it was amazing? No, it's more of an introspective watch. So if you're interested in that, that's why it's on PBS. Yes. Um, yeah. Like even a question ref is, whose child is this? Like it's stuff like that where you're like, okay. You know what? We, uh, this, as you're talking about it, and I was just looking it up as you were saying, they were at Sundance, mm-hmm. not this year, but the year before. And we went to the Filmmakers Lodge um, event and he was talking about it. He was on mm-hmm. a panel they're talking about it and it was a five-year process oh my gosh it's all coming back to me um it was like a no it was more than five it was a very lengthy process yeah, you're right five years documentary five years oh mm-hmm. my gosh i'm not even looking at that <laughs> L, I got good memory um no it was like a five-year process maybe even longer whatever to get this together and he had to like if i remember correctly had to the shooting process was very difficult and challenging. The actual camera, um, cameras, like the literal cameras of gathering that was was a challenge. This, yeah. oh wow, that's a real full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even one, because you do get, like you do get certain main characters almost, but they're not quite, one of them is a basketball player and you see him training to do that, trying to make his college team. He has aspirations. Another is a young couple. They have a kid. They have twins on the way. You see that. And there, you know, there's something that happens that really is harrowing as a result. But it's just the life that he captured. And then it, the interesting part is how he decided to frame it. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. This is good. Um, it was, it was, I remember that panel very distinctly. And uh, I think I chatted with him for a very, very brief second. Mm-hmm. Um, so well done with that. I'm congrats to congrats to him. Uh, let's move on to uh, you saw some some uh, projects that did not get the Oscar love. Mm-hmm. For the most part, maybe even didn't get any kind of award season love at all. And one of those is. I'm going to put, I put it on record. I did a full review of it. It is one of my favorite movies of 2018. 
one of them. Hmm. And it was that way because it surprised me so much that I liked it because I knew, I'm gonna say it in a second, but I knew that when I saw these actors and playing these roles and it wasn't getting the wide release kind of love, I thought, oh, this is gonna be a challenge. Mm. But when I was in that theater watching it, I was like so enthralled. Maybe not the last 20 minutes or 10 minutes, was, but I was absolutely thrilled with the performances and thrilled with the ride. And I'm talking about the Sisters Brothers. So if you want to hear the full review, search for the Sisters Brothers. But finally, you got to see it. Good gracious. Brother. Yeah. You finally got to see it. And I've been bugging you about it. And now I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Um, now keep in mind, these are brothers whose last name is Sisters. Okay. And um, it, we have John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. Of course. Makes perfect sense to put them together. <laughs> now, this is a Western of sorts, of course. And what happens is they work for the Commodore, who's this guy in charge. He sends them out to go after this other guy played by Riz Ahmed. Yes. And you're going, what's yeah, he doing he in a Western? It so they can, they, they know. Yeah, I, so, and so they do that. I'm saying this for a reason. So they have to go after him. Um, he has something specific. But someone helping them is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, oh, it's like this cast, like you said. And then certain things happen that you're not expecting. Now, the Sisters Brothers, what an interesting movie. It, for me, Ref, it takes the Western, you get some of those typical Western moments. But then it turns it into this exploration of what masculinity is. It's a love story. It is. Okay. And it's it's like a dual love story. Interestingly yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also deals with men and their fathers, men and their brothers, men and their friends. Like, so all of this stuff going on. And it's the great thing is it's not ham-fisted at all. No. It's just gliding along the surface there in, in such a lovely way. Now, this movie, everybody, it's not going to be something where you go, oh, my goodness, this blew me away. No, there is a moment that might. <laughs> we will pause for this moment right here because this is off the cuff. And if you want to not hear this, then you can go ahead and fast forward by 10 seconds on your thing. Look, when you go camping, keep your mouth closed. Oh, that's it. Oh no! Not close, or you will find a surprise. Oh! If you are gonna be in the wilderness, not in a tent, in open air, looking at the sky, keep oh. your mouth closed. Everybody in the theater, I am not kidding you. Everybody in the theater, it was a roaring, roaring reaction. Everybody was like, ah! And scream like listeners. You have to watch it just for that moment. Then you can stop. Yes. Now actually finish it because it's good. Yeah, but it is. That moment, I will never go camping without having my mouth <laughs> taped. Yeah. <or laughs> a surgical mask. I mean, look. Oh gosh. I just, oh. I, you probably, I, uh, listen, what, what, what were you doing? Uh, let me tell you, I was watching this in bed. I rolled around the bed, sat up, I, I just screamed out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
all of that stuff at that moment. It is it is a visceral reaction from all visceral. humans. I'm all humans. Out now. Yeah. I'm right now, I have like goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> So outside of that moment, it you know, it's gentle, it's quiet. And but the thing is, look, if you think of a Western, these kind of guys, they don't need to make a big deal out of stuff. They'll just shoot you dead. Yes. And that's, I like that. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. And what I did appreciate is by the end of it, ref, like when you get to the very end, the whole thing connects. Like the whole story. The way it ends is not how you expect. No, it's not. And I wasn't as satisfied as you are, apparently. Yeah, I really appreciated that because we rarely get to see this from Westerns. And I think what it does is it lifts up the themes of the love that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I just felt relieved at the end of it. And that that gave me the room to be like, okay, I got these relationships. Clearly. Well, and the cool thing is, is that something, I think you nailed it on the head um, by saying the challenge of, like what happens when even towards the end, when your profession is in jeopardy, mm-hmm. like at one point without ruining it, one of the brothers whole being is there's a challenge now because something happens and it's like, well, I've been this way my whole life. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And you see the other brother, without ruining it again, the other brother step up to the plate to help identify that for the other brother. Right. And I think that's such a beautiful love story between two brothers that we really, in this environment, really haven't seen. And I will go on record again and say, Jake Gyllenhaal, well done. This was like the first project for me that I watched him and wasn't seeing him work. Mm. Um, which he does. He's a hard-working actor. He really does work hard. Hard. But sometimes I can see it. And for me, in this role, it was very nuanced and particular. And even his accent was really... I was, I was like, what's happening? And then I just stopped caring, mm-hmm. you know, which was great, which is a good thing when you stop caring about um, <laughs> his work and just yeah. let it be what it is on the screen. So I'm glad that you got to see it. And again, keep that mouth closed. Oh. <laughs> okay, moving on. You also got a chance to see Eighth Grade, which is huge. It, it was like a smashing surprise hit. This little girl, I don't know the actress name, but you'll tell us, I'm sure. She's, we don't know her very well. We, it's not like we have this huge body of work from her. I mean, this and that maybe, but it's apparently supposed to be such an honest performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, like the title says, it is about eighth grade, but it's about the last week in eighth grade for uh, Elsie Fisher's character. That's the lead. Now, she uh, does these YouTube videos where essentially she gives advice to people, but it's the advice that she needs to take herself. Mm-hmm. So she's awkward. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So she's awkward and all of that, but she's telling people how to be confident. She's going, you know, this is what I did to help myself. But we see that she's struggling. She wants to be, uh, you know, someone who is popular, but not even popular, someone who is just liked. Okay, and respected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's more like what it is. And so we see this week play out. She lives with her father. Um, who's just, you know, a, the great dad. Yeah. But this is a 13-year-old. <laughs> right, right. So she takes out her frustrations on him. Of course. 
Yeah, so you see that. But she's really, you know, an introvert, that kind of kid. And she's just trying to reach out uh, to people. So, I mean, I won't give it all away. This is off the cuff. But I will say that I was completely, thoroughly impressed. Oh. Thoroughly. I think that Bo Burnham, this is his first directorial effort, I believe. He wrote it as well. He was a YouTuber. Hey, what is he doing now? Ah. The writing. I think it is a scandal that this was not nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Oh, that's strong language. Strong. And it did win the Writers Guild Award. Yes. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh It didn't get, it didn't get, it got some love, but really here, how, how could it not be nominated? Like, if you watch, because the thing is, watching it, I'm like, wait, are they improvising all of this? No. No. It really does feel real. And Elsie Fisher, maybe she deserves a nomination. Oh. I, maybe. I don't know, y'all, because look, there is not one false moment from her. Not one. And of course, she gave some input. They added some of her own experiences. Right, to the right. It it really is something everybody... Now, look, is this something for young kids? No, it's not. Is it something for eighth graders? Yeah. And and I know uh, parents out here, some of them are going to be like, absolutely not. But this is what they're going through. I mean, is everything here pleasant for her? No. Uh, But the way it's handled, I think, was very, very respectful. It was spot on. I just have a lot of appreciation for this movie. Um, And it's just, it's the right length. Like, all of this stuff matters. And the thing is, you're watching it, Raph, and you're going, you know, if you're older, you're going, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. No, no. Like, the whole time, you go, oh, no. But then at the end, like, the way it ends, it's it's just sweet. Um, or even as we've gone through some of the events that maybe weren't uh, as sweet. But it's not kids, let's say it that way. So even the stuff that... It's challenging. It's not kids, like the movie kids. Is the movie saying. kids, yeah. Yes. It's not something where you're going, okay, this is explicit, you've gone too far. They do have some stuff in there, everybody, that goes there, but it's not all the way crazy. Not all the way. So just know, this is eighth grade as it is, and I think that they did a wonderful job. I gotta give it to them. Wow, the yeah. snub. Now, you also talked to me about another snub, um, the writer. Mm-hmm. Oh, but by the way, you can catch eighth grade on Amazon. If you have an Amazon prime account, yeah. it's there. Um, but the writer is on stars right now and you were able to check out the writer. Mm-hmm. And we were talking right before that you had all this, um, you had come across all this buzz about this movie and nothing, nothing, not no love, nothing. Um, the writer didn't pick up anything, but the critics were going wild about it. And I guess my question is, do you agree with those critics? Is this something we should be running and doing a free trial of stars? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay, look. This is about uh, the Lakota uh, Indians, I believe, mm-hmm. in uh, South Dakota. Um and we see one guy who uh, rides horses in rodeos. Now this is, you know, the horse is trying to kick you off. Yeah, that kind of horse. Now he's just sustained a near fatal injury. Uh, His head was smashed, he has a plate in there, there's staples at the beginning of the movie, 
Um, and then we see, you know, because the thing is, can he get back on the horse? Now, of course, he he's like a horse whisperer. He's that kind of dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the whole uh, cowboy culture. Um, so, you know, where, hey, you cowboy up. So he has that coming from his friends. His father, he lives with him, but his father's not the best. Mm-hmm. Not really responsible. He has a younger sister who uh, has Asperger's syndrome. So we see how he has to deal with, okay, can I still be the guy I was before? Do I need to make a change? Is that possible? Now, uh, the twist on this is uh, the director and writer, Chloe Zhao, she met the lead guy who's a real Lakota cowboy. His name is Brady Jandro. He had this kind of injury, something like it. Okay, I was, so, gonna, I was wondering if it was based on something because it's so, so specific and particular. Exactly. So, you know, what happened is she just, she wanted to make a movie with him. She saw him somewhere else. But then this is the story she wanted to tell. Uh, so he plays himself, a version of himself. His oh. sister plays the sister. His father plays the father. His oh friends, my gosh. Yeah, his friends play the friends. Whoa. So this is where the critics are going you know, goo goo gaga. Oh my goodness. We don't have real actors. We have real people playing it. Oh, isn't it so authentic? Oh, I found it so moving. This is what the critics are saying. And I know exactly what they're thinking. But I also know why it was not nominated. Okay. And that's because here's the tension I want to get into, Ref. And it's a fundamental disrespect of actors. Mm, okay. Uh oh. Okay. Yes. Look, I'm all for doing this. I applaud Chloe, I applaud Brady and everyone else. I think for not being actors, she and them together, they did a wonderful job, but they're not actors, I can tell. And see what some of these critics go, I know in their heads and I don't think it's on purpose, but they go, oh, this is what real life looks like because it's not acting. No, this is not acting. (laughs) And if you watch a documentary, which is edited, of course, or if you just go out into the real world, there are rhythms to life. There are rhythms that great actors pick up on and highlight. There are thoughts going on that aren't being said. There are things that people want, whether they are uh, aware of them or not, that a trained actor will bring to the fore. And then it feels like art, because that's what we're making here. Otherwise, you could do what Andy Warhol did, set your camera down while someone's sleeping. That's real. So this is just a disrespect of acting, in my opinion, where, and and we'll get to it later, uh, probably in a month or so, next month, when it comes out. The Mustang, which I just saw, Ref. Yes, yes. uh, It's a kind of cowboy story, a Western story, but it's completely different. But it has actors. Is it less successful? Is it less uh, authentic? No, it is not. So this is not shading the writer. I commend them for what they did. And I think for a lot of viewers, actually, Ref, it's not for many viewers. It's for an art house crowd. They're going to eat it up. It's very introspective. It's slow, all of that. And it feels right. It feels right. It, you have these sad parts where you're dealing with these guys who, hey, what happens if you get into an accident here? Right, right, right. So I'm not giving all of that away. So I'm not stealing from this movie. I'm addressing what's going on in the nominations, why there's a discrepancy. And it's because of that, do you respect acting for real or not? And do you actually know what it is to be an actor? Dang, you can catch the rest of that thought (laughs) (laughs) 
another time because I think I want to <laughs> dive into that. Um, let's end this with Won't You Be My Neighbor? <laughs> Come on, move out to LA. No, but literally, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which it got a lot of love, a lot of love. And like during its run, this is about uh, the Mr. Rogers we all know and love, uh, who's no longer with us, but it's sort of is his background of how the show came to be and what kind of man created this show that's affected so many people. It got a lot of love. And then come Oscar time, none at all. Mm. And people were shocked and surprised uh, that it didn't make it into the nomination. I tried to watch this on HBO. It's currently there. And I'm sorry to report I did fall asleep. <laughs> I couldn't. I, you know, when you work all day and you sit down and try to watch that, it just, it put me, it put me to sleep, actually, yeah. which was probably a difficult thing to do. So, <laughs> well, and, and actually, I think that's a testament to the documentary. <laughs> Are you spinning this? <laughs> no, 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 seriously, because, and this is where I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, it's like Mr. Rogers, the man and the show. This is not a guy who's going to keep you awake. <laughs> he's going to soothe you. He's going to put you at ease, all of that. So I'm not surprised if you're tired that you're going to fall asleep on this. Um, and, and I think that might be a part of why it was not nominated for an Oscar. Now, do I agree with them? No, I do not. Okay, here we go. Because you're doing a documentary on Mr. Rogers. If that documentary, if I'm watching it the whole time and I go, wow, I feel Mr. Rogers again. I feel Fred Rogers from this, from top to bottom. That is an accomplishment. That is an accomplishment. And I really, you know, I loved Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as a kid. Yeah, me too. Love Mr. Rogers. I love him even more now. Um, now, one thing, they do deal with uh, some of this recent stuff where some people, I won't name them, are blaming him for like, you know, what's going on with kids nowadays. Hold on. Let me, let me school some of you. Wait, going on with kids like you know where where you know because everybody's special and all that stuff and the reality of the, the realities are no one's gonna treat you like Mr. Rogers treats you basically. Exactly. So they and it's in the documentary they blame him for you know making essentially kids wimps. What they think, like you said, everybody's gonna go, oh, you're a special person, and, and, and then you know they don't want to do the work and they think they are supposed to get all of this stuff for free and so on and so forth. Let me tell you something. Humans throughout history have had that thought. It's not on Mr. Rogers. Every <laughs> generation has thought that they should have gotten something that the uh, other generations, the older ones, go, no, sit down. You don't deserve that. You don't understand what we went through. This is the common refrain throughout the history of humanity. And you put this Wait. on Mr. Rogers? But my question is, what kind of show is the opposite? Is it somebody coming out? Is it is it Eddie Murphy's version, Mr. Robinson, coming out? Look, you about to get shot. Nobody. <laughs> like, I I actually want to see that. I actually do want to see that show. Of like, you ain't special, right? You what? you know what you need to do. You need to sit down and do these sums. Stop what? that calculator. Job. Why you? Cal yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> Your parents are feeding you still. You're five. You can go out and work. They used to do that before the children's revolution. I mean, this is ridiculous. 
I do want to see that show. <laughs> now, the Eddie Murphy stuff is in the documentary, by the way. You get to see that. Oh, is it? Oh, shoot. I fell asleep. Funny, and but yeah. The, yeah. So, you know, they go through all of this. Now, is everything as fleshed out as you'd want it to be? No, but it's a documentary. Hey, it's a little over an hour and a half. I appreciate that. We don't need to go too far. But I just really, I fell in love with Mr. Rogers again. Uh, watching that stuff, it really annoyed me because I'm just so tired of hearing this from people where they go, oh, you know, kids nowadays. Kids every day have been the same. It just looks different because of the culture. It's just the same old stuff. They want more than they deserve. And adults are going, no, sit down. And I understand because I say that to kids now as well in my head. Sit yes, down. You, you do. want me You want me to pay for certain stuff? I'm not. But this is... It's not Mr. Mr. Rogers. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, I would have nominated this. I would say that. I think it was a success. It is, as the ref intimated, as I intimated everybody. This is not something where you're going to go, oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, let, ooh, yeah, this is going to give me the energy that I'm looking for. No. <laughs> but you get to know him. You get. I didn't even know that he was a, a, a Christian pastor. I didn't know yeah. this stuff. That I did know. And then how did he handle people, though, in regard to his Christianity? Like, all of that's very interesting. And I think that uh, Morgan Neville, as a director here, did a wonderful job. Yo-Yo Ma's in it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We love Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, and they get to it where he's like, look, like the when Mr. Rogers is just staring at you and all of that, those awkward moments. So it, it's it's a nice tribute. Yeah. Oh, well, good. I'm glad that you got a chance to to catch up on all these. I know you've been extremely busy, but it's nice to hear your thoughts on some of these movies that and movies and uh, projects, basically, uh, that are getting a lot of love and some aren't. So, again, if you want to catch the full reviews of some of those movies that we've talked about, you can go on our website. If not, I'm sure at some point... Uh, if you didn't hear something that's currently out there, I'm sure we'll address it at some point in the next couple of weeks as the critic goes through his list of things. Um, but uh, thanks for the off-the-cuff talk. It was wonderful. And, you know, definitely for Oscars, we'll hear more. I'm getting to some of those heavy hitters. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That Melissa McCarthy movie. <laughs> okay. And other stuff. I'm not getting advice, though. I'm going to put that out there. That ain't happening. Okay, so you heard that. That was off the cuff, because I didn't even know that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.